And welcome to another episode of the Sartorio and Geek Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I am your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance, coming at you again one more time. And let's jump right into it. Now, I don't have any really special things to talk about today on my download from Game Pass as I have been the past few weeks, but I have been very much into JRPGs as of late. And one of my favorite JRPGs of the past 10 plus years is Lost Odyssey, which originally was published on the Xbox 360. And it can be played uh, backwards compatible on Xbox 360, Xbox One, Xbox Series Series as well. And I don't be forget the price. It seems as though most of the Xbox 360 games are running anywhere between uh, 15 and 20, especially for a game of the caliber of Lost Odyssey. I actually purchased it brand new back when it came out, a whopping four disc set for the time, and I absolutely fell in love with the game. It is one of the few games in the past decade plus of gaming where I have consistently stayed up late even though I was grown and had a job to go to to get to that next level or to get to that next stage and level up my characters just a bit more. And over the years, it's something I fell off of playing. And I picked it up again the other day. Uh, a few years ago, Xbox, Microsoft just gave it away for free as a digital download. So it is on my Xbox One, even though I still have the disc. And one of the wonderful things about cloud saves is that my cloud save was still there for my 360 days. So I realized pulling it back up that I had 40 plus hours invested in this game and I was on disc 4 and I didn't realize I was that far in the game when life ultimately took me away from playing it as heavy as I did and let me tell you it is a beautiful game even though we are now two generations removed from the Xbox 360 era it was done by Miss Walker who is a game company that was headed up by some of the originators of the Final Fantasy series over at Square Enix so you can see that Final Fantasy DNA sort of sprinkled throughout from the action to the look to even the music it is definitely a worthy game that sold well but surprisingly never got a sequel and is one of those games that really could work well with a proper next-gen sequel on the Xbox series platform so Miss Walker if you're listening I highly doubt it but if you're listening definitely we will be interested in a sequel to Lost Odyssey and just the basic premise of the story you start out as a warrior named Kaim who is immortal but doesn't really know it but also as standard JRPG tropes are you have amnesia so during the course of the story you meet other immortals you figure out your connection to them as more and more of your memories come back in this world and you find out exactly what it is you have to face and what evils you have to conquer to restore order to the world you know standard jrpg stuff that doesn't mean it isn't any good so that is my first download for the week Lost Odyssey on the Xbox series of platforms. And like I said, you'll probably be paying no more than 20 bucks for it uh, digitally uh, 
physically if you could find it out there i'm not sure how much it's going to run but since it wasn't the biggest selling game it may run you a bit more than that twenty dollars uh, i would say it's still comparably especially with that gorgeous battle system and how it really throws in those little nuances into it it's a definitely game even at 30 bucks i would say it's still a game that's worth playing today speaking of another rpg now we're going to go into uh, another section you'll understand where this one came from so my next pick for the week is grandia hd and, and surprisingly this one isn't on the xbox or the playstation this is solely located on the switch and the pc and this is a collection of grandia 1 and grandia 2 hd remakes and these uh, RPGs that came out, uh, Granny One initially came out on the Saturn and the PlayStation 2, if I remember correctly. Maybe it was the PlayStation 1, I forget. I think it's PlayStation 1, Chip, Saturn era. And I never played Grandia 1. Grandia 2 is where it is. Grandia 2, I played that on the Dreamcast, and that is still to this day one of the best RPGs, JRPGs, I have ever played in my life. Just the complex story of you being Ryudo and you are escorting, and I forget the protagonist's name, but she is then possessed and you so you have these dualities, you have this conflict between church and, and religion and it's just one of those things where I really absolutely love the story and the battle system is probably one of the best JRPG battle systems I've ever experienced and again, my JRPG experience isn't as extensive as some of my contemporaries and friends, but for me, that is probably one of the best battle systems I have ever played with. And if you have a Switch or even a PC, 40 bucks is well worth the price. What worth the price just for Grandia 2? Like I said, I can't comment on Grandia 1. I've never played it. Haven't had the desire to play it, but Grandia 2 is just such an amazing game. If you are a JRPG head, and you love yourself in JRPGs some turn-based combat and you have not played Grandia 2, I advise you to pick it up today because it is just an amazing game and it's one that you will not be disappointed. If I remember correctly, it's a good 40 to 50 hour game that has a very good difficulty progression as you go forward in the game. You don't have these tremendous difficulty spikes as you go up into the game and progress into the game i should say so it's definitely one that i think is going to be really satisfying for those of us that are experienced with jrpgs but also really satisfying for those of us that are new to jrpgs as well i think it's just really a great game now speaking of the dreamcast now i thought of this a few days ago oddly enough while i was brushing my teeth to talk about what are my three favorite video game systems of all time now full disclosure is no playstation on my list and again this is not in any order uh this may change like the win but i would say there's no playstation on my list because i never owned a playstation uh, when the original one came out there was nothing on the playstation that made me want to buy it i played a lot of playstation because everybody else had it but it was nothing was like hey i want to buy this i want to get this nothing really grabbed me i was at the time, I saw my Genesis, and then everybody had a PlayStation or a 64, N64, so it was like, yeah, I don't need to buy anything. But the first one I want to talk about is the aforementioned Dreamcast. I think for me, the Dreamcast will always be on my list be is because that is the absolute first system I purchased with my own money. 
Uh, I was there on launch day on 9-9-99. And I still to this day am enamored with what Sega was able to do with the little system that could. Uh, from Fantasy Star Online with that, that flawless RPG or um, MMORPG uh, experience on a dial-up modem. I mean, you... Those of you of a certain age have no idea the struggle uh, of getting on the internet and doing anything on the internet with a dial-up modem. And the fact that we were playing games like Fantasy Online on a console, on a dial-up modem, that really was inventive in the ways that we were able to communicate with each other because there was no voice chat back in the day, uh, especially with a dial-up and that limited bandwidth, but also how they really engineered their system and servers to prevent as much lag as possible. Now, we got lag every now and again, but man, I, I have had better online experiences with PSO on a dial-up than I have had with some games over the past few years on a um, Ethernet, not just Ethernet, but a um, like Verizon Files connection. There's no disrespect to Files. A lot has to do with just game servers and things of that nature, but it's just amazing even to this day, almost... 20 years after that is still one of the most prominent gaming experiences uh, that I have. Now, Dreamcast itself was just, it was such an amazing console because I find it interesting how when you have game consoles who don't have support or just any device, um, tech device it, um, for that matter, that doesn't have support a lot of the sort of mainstream big players, that it really becomes this breeding ground for inventiveness so one of the things with the dreamcast that i love is that you had were able to play all of these different games as you normally wouldn't because ea didn't support it and a lot of the larger publishers did not support it uh capcom did and they ended up bringing an official uh, copy of resident evil official at the time dreamcast version of resident evil and resident evil code veronica also bringing resident evil 2 there and just blowing out the ps uh PlayStation out of the water at the time as far as graphics and upgrades. Uh, you had so many things. We had the birth of the 2K series because, again, EA didn't support, so we didn't have NBA Live or Madden. So we got the NFL 2K series and the uh, NBA 2K series, which is now the dominant basketball series in the world. And realistically, if EA had not purchased the exclusive rights in the NFL, I really think Madden would be a close number two, if not a distant number two, especially after the spectacular game, the NBA, not NBA, NFL 2K5 was back in the day. And, you know, competition breeds uh, ingenuity and change. And without that competition, Madden just sucks, in my opinion. They just do the same things every single year. And when 2K was really at its height with his football games, even on the Dreamcast, Madden did what they needed to do to innovate and to try to make a better product. So with that Dreamcast, you got a lot of innovation in the technology aspects, but also in the gaming aspects as well. So that's my first one. My second one is probably no surprise to many is a Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, those in my generation, that is really what, not so much you cut your teeth with, but that is what made you love video games, particularly home consoles and video gaming at home. There was nothing that the Nintendo could not do, and there was no game that was not on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Regardless of what you wanted, that's what it is. My fondest memories of childhood are playing with my, my best friend. 
uh, from elementary school and him coming over my house, me going to his house and us running through Double Dragon, Super Mario Brothers 3, and uh, Xenophobe was, was the game we played all the time. But there were just so many memories associated with that system and not just the system, but the games and the different types of games that were there. I just think the Nintendo Entertainment System is really going to be go down as probably the greatest system in history just because of what it did for the gaming industry it, it revived revived and saved a video game industry and just made and made us gamers um, that's really where it all started i played on the Atari 2600 before then and maybe because of my age maybe also because you had that that crash but when nintendo came out Nintendo was something everybody loved. Everybody wanted. It was a must-have. And the games that came out with it is just, man, everybody became a gamer. And those of us that grew up with the NES are still gamers today, which is why we have this booming game industry. And then the last one is probably going to be an odd one, uh, considering I was teetering on this one. But for me, it's the Xbox 360. Uh, I was thinking of maybe even the Xbox One simply because of the backwards compatibility, but it, it was one of those things the Xbox, Microsoft stumbled so badly out of the gate with the launch of the Xbox One that I really couldn't put it there. The Xbox 360 is, for me, much like that Dreamcast. Uh, you had Xbox was the, it's funny to say, little company that could after the Xbox's initial launch and somewhat success. It, you know, wasn't toe-to-toe -to -toe with the PS2 at the time, but you know, it was respectable. And much like the Dreamcast, you had a lot of different alternatives because Xbox wasn't the big player. But that foundation for the from the Xbox really planted the seed for the Xbox 360 to become the juggernaut uh, that it became. And just the fact that Microsoft constantly reiterated it brought backwards compatibility. It was one of the systems that kept evolving over the years from a hardware software perspective you had great software pretty much there were just so many great games and indie games that were on the xbox that was on the xbox 360 one of my favorite games from that period and i don't think it ever came out on ps2 was excuse me i guess ps3 at the time was um uh el shaddai and i forget the full title but it was one of those games that the story it has sort of a biblical setting and it was a had some 2D platforming scenes and, and 3D over-the-shoulder sort of, and it was so stylish. It was such a beautiful game, and I just really love the, much like I talked about the Dreamcast and NES, the different types of games that you could find on the Xbox 360, and also that built-in, actually no, actually it wasn't built-in at first, but the internet connectivity in Xbox Live really sold it uh, for me as well, and having that online platform it really changed how in my opinion we gamed on the console so those are my top three systems of all time at least as of today now loki is over and i'm sad and uh haven't seen black water yet so i can't really comment on that and i forget when what if is supposed to come out so i'm in a bit of a what am I watching now and what do I want to watch? And I don't think I've talked about this, but there's a movie that came out a while ago called Willie's Wonderland. And it's essentially Nick Cage in Five Nights at Freddy's, if you're familiar with that. So it's exactly what it is for the most part. It's crazy, it's off the wall, and I wanted to see it. And 
came out in theaters, uh, VOD, didn't watch it. And a few weeks ago, a friend just happened to tweet out on, on Twitter that it was on Hulu, and I watched it. And it is every bit of glorious as you expect it to be. It is, it is a little bit scary, but it's almost as if Five Nights at Freddy got his own stalker and the aspect or the embodiment of Luke Cage's crazy or excuse me, not Luke Cage, Nick Cage's crazy uh, persona that he's very much known for in many of his films and one of the most beautiful things about this movie is that not a bit of a spoiler but Nick Cage doesn't utter one word throughout the whole movie and I'm like he has no dialogue everything is done through action and facial expressions and I just feel like an actor that can do that regardless of how over the top this movie was you can really tell they understand their craft and understand the character so willie's wonderland on hulu if you have hulu man it is it is is great it is gory it is funny it is exciting and it is one of those movies where if you are into that or even if you're a five nights at freddy's fan you should watch this movie you will definitely definitely enjoy it now at the time of this recording there's a new movie that came out this week on netflix by the name of gunpowder milkshake and it stars karen gilliam uh best known as probably for most you nebula from the marvel uh cinematic universe as well as doctor who um, michelle yo angela bassett and it looks to be a non-stop balls to the wall action gunplay or gun food sort of uh, movie and I'm like that's right up my alley uh, one of the things I've loved about Karen Gilliam's evolution as an actress over the years especially from really learning about her and getting to enjoy her as an actress watching Doctor Who many many years ago she is not afraid of taking on different roles but also one of the things with the MCU that has given her a um, action credibility which she didn't really have before. So you can see a movie like this with a lot of established people who've been in action movies, established women, I should say. Michelle Yeoh, obviously, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, uh, one of my favorite Jackie Chan movies, uh, Super Cop, as is known here in the United States. Also, uh, Lena Headley, I think her name is, from um, Game of Thrones and the spectacular uh, Dread movie that came out a few years ago. Angela Bassett, let me tell you, People sleep on Angela Bassett, but one of my favorite movies with Angela Bassett is Strange Days from the late 90s. That is a great movie, and I think for me, that cemented her action chops um, and also her ability to act in pretty much anything. Not to mention, she was all, all already in, I believe it was Critters 4. I haven't seen that Critters movie, but she was in Critters 4, the one in the Outer Space so Angela Bassett has done it all and can do it all, in my opinion. There are a few other actors and actresses uh, sprinkling the movie who everybody knows of. Paul Giamatti, as well as um, Carla Guiano, I think her name is. I always butcher her last name. Uh, so, again, people who have bona fide chops. And, again, I don't care what the plot is. I just know that uh, Karen Gilliam is protecting some kid from being killed. And that's really all you need to know if you've seen the trailer. So I'm looking forward to watching that one this week. And that's brand new on Netflix. And another movie I've watched recently, which is a rewatch for me, it's one I haven't seen in a, a very long time, is Kiss of the Dragon starring Jet Li. Now, this is one of those ones who I owned the DVD back in the day. And I absolutely loved it. It is a French film. It is directed, excuse me, French, but in English, uh, directed by Luke. Besson and Luke Besson is, is very much well known 
action director. He's done the Fifth Element. He's did done La Femme Nikita. So he he has bona fide action action chops. And this is one of the first movies released uh, that really starred Jet Li. I think in that time period, you had Romeo Must Die. You also had the one, and then you had Kiss of the Dragon, all within a. 12 to 18 month period released in the United States so it was a Jet Li mania at that time and this is probably one of his most uh, underwhelming roles from a uh, reception as far as people remember people remember the one obviously people in certain sex especially back when I was in college and you know we all saw Romeo Masai like that was a joint but I always loved Kiss of the Dragon because the action scenes were just so cool and it's Jet Li fighting people in Europe or in France, and you got corrupt cops. And Bridget Fonda's character could have been any random white woman. So, like, no disrespect to her, but her role was so generic in that movie. You could just slide to any random white woman. You didn't need her name recognition at the time in that movie because nobody cared about. Nobody went to that movie, and nobody watches that movie now. To see Bridget Fonda. I'm just saying. And that's my last pick for what I'm watching and what I'm going to be watching. Now that I'm literally in the Marvel doldrums, yet again, when it comes to the Disney Plus TV side of things until What If pops up on my screen. So with that, let's go right into the scent of the week or the fragrance of the week. In this case, it's a new acquisition uh, that was sent to me by the wonderful customer service team at Royal Bermuda. And in this case, it's Royal Bay rum uh check out the instagram for the stop motion unboxings i love doing those it's so cool uh but this is one that definitely by the title it's definitely going to give you a a rum a little bit of boozy a beach feel but let's get into the listed notes now the listed notes include spices bay leaf and menthol that's pretty much simply what it is and realistically when you get it it's a little bit of sweetness at the top, but it is, it is straight boozy. It is straight rum. And just the way it really fades and dissipates on the skin. This is definitely a maybe going out, just hanging out sort of thing. Maybe not quite a date night, but it is very pleasing to the ladies in my experience. Uh, this is definitely not something you're wearing to a formal affair. It's, it's a very fun, it's a very light-ish uh, fragrance and light in the aspect of it's it's very youthful it's very playful uh, with the boozy notes um, of the rum and the menthol and how the spices work so I, I really like that and with me I got a pretty decent duration but I will say too this is one that you will not mind over spraying I really love when I can over spray, uh, spray a fragrance I'm um, if I really like it, I don't want to just keep spraying, and that's a habit that I have. Uh, and this is one that definitely feeds into my habit, just spraying it. It's just really nice. It really just smells great on my body. And I think for most of you guys and ladies, if you, you like it, uh, you'll like it as well. It's just, it's so island-y. Uh, as you know, you expect a royal Bermuda fragrance really to convey that island, that vacation sort of mood, and I definitely get that from uh, Royal Bay Rum, and I believe a four ounce bottle raises about fifty, fifty-two dollars if I remember correctly. So four ounces, one hundred and twenty uh, mLs, and much like uh, CK One Shock, it comes with a twist top, but then. And it also comes in the package 
the screw in atomizer so you can take the atomizer off put the top on you can use it as a dab or you can use it as a spray and I, I like that I wasn't too keen about that at first when I got the CK1 shock a while a few months ago about almost two years ago now uh, but that whole sort of setup really has grown on me and just that versatility is really cool especially if you want to do decants as well uh, that makes everything a whole lot easier if you want to make decants travel sizes or just share the fragrance with others so they can experience it for themselves to see if it's something they want to purchase so i really like this so kudos to uh robert Miller. thank you again uh brandy and team for the bottle you guys that was just really nice considering the circumstances like you didn't have to give me all that so with that i want to get into another aspect of fragrances that i don't talk about too often at least directly and in this case this is all about when is the best time to wear fragrance well i should say the right fragrance for the right occasion when i was talking about bayroom I said that this is definitely one you're not wearing to a black tie event. This is not this does not convey class, it does not convey sort of that formal presentation that you want. And it, and it's hard to describe and say, oh, this is this, this neck, because everybody's nose is a little bit different. And as I always say, fragrances are intimate. And every fragrance is not going to smell the same on every individual. Everybody's going to have a very unique experience. But usually, for something like a, a dress-up event or formal event, you want something a bit more classic, a bit more clean, a bit more fresh. Uh, something, you know, I talk about Dior Sauvage, Creed Aventus. Those are sort of fragrances that really cut across the occasional spectrum. They can really work anywhere. Uh, for instance, if you're going to a funeral, you are more than likely not going to want to wear something that's overly loud and musky uh, to very much bring attention to yourself considering the circumstance. Same thing with uh, black tie fair. You wouldn't wear something very musky uh, to an event like that because it really contrasts with the sort of appearance. And I mean, contrast with your suit. Let's put it frankly, your suit or especially for black tie event, your tuxedo. You, you don't want to come in there smelling like a, a, a good smelling bear, but it's still, you know, a musky bear. Uh, you want to have something that's, you know, very much a subdued, laid back, crisp, cool, clean, really go with the demeanor of the overall aesthetic you're trying to put off. Now, again, on a date night, on a date night, you're going, you're going for a seduction. You may not want to wear that same fragrance. Like, for instance, uh, if if I was dating and I'm not dating. Um, I'm married, but if I'm going out to seduce a woman, someone other than my wife, than my wife, and there's something that I want to wear that I feel like is seductive. Uh, for instance, uh, I think Zahara Signature Home is a very good all-around fragrance. Is it one I would wear on a date night or a first date? No. It's nice, it's clean, but it is not one that has those notes that I see are eye-catching um, that are mouth-watering when it comes to the obviously sex in that sort of arena now something like my wife or you know someone i've been dating for a long time yes i would wear it simply because it's a scent that i smell good on me and also a scent that they would associate with me as well by that point in time in any sort of relationship but on the first date no i would definitely wear um, i would wear echelon for men from kimberly new york uh, with those woodsy notes, that thing just says sex. 
I, I love that so much. I also would uh, rock Velour from uh, Maison de Darius. I, I think that one's such a seductive fragrance as well. And, and definitely uh, another all-around one with Ovation, Ovation for Men. And I always talk about that because that's it's such an easy reach for me. I think that is definitely a sexy fragrance as well. Um, and let us not forget Oxford Blue and Cambridge Night by um, English Laundry. Both of those are always ones that prove to be ones that are very seductive, even though they can have different or be applied to different circumstances as well. And again, I always say wear whatever fragrance you want to, but you need to be mindful of what image you're trying to convey of yourself and fragrances go along with that just as much as the clothing that you wear, but also think of your audience as well. You do not want to wear some loud, gregarious fragrance to, like I said, a black tie event or a funeral or the office, especially depending on your office circumstance. Uh, something you wear to a, a date uh, may not work in the office and, and vice versa. Something you wear in the office, for instance, uh, something I will wear in the office of David Beckham Instinct. I love the vetiver. I love the, the cleanliness of it. That is not a date fragrance for me. Um, that's an everyday sort of wear fragrance. It's a great office scent, in my opinion, but it is not a date fragrance. It does not give me that oomph, that impression I'm looking for um, in a, a date. Like even if my wife and I went out, that's not one I would wear because that doesn't give the best sort of impression of the overall vibe I'm trying to give in a circumstance like that. So remember, picking the right fragrance for an event, for an occasion, is just as important as picking the right outfit. And on that note, we're going to bring this bad boy to a close. This has been another episode of the Sartorio and Geek podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I have been your host, Webster Style. Feel free to find us on the web at WebsterStyle.com. Also find us on Instagram at Webster Style and Sartorio and Geek, or Webster Style or Sartorio and Geek. And also find us on Twitter at Webster Style. And feel free to drop us an email at info at WebsterStyleMagazine.com. Thank you as always for joining us. Remember, stay safe out there and be blessed. Now it was Tree Green Tuesday. Had to be Bowtie Thursday. Had to be. White Wednesday? Uh, I don't Well, I know last time... Well, I wore polka dot. You didn't wear... Oh, I miss million them heels killing them, but I'm sure it's a Thursday. Bowtie Thursday. Pasta cream in your heels looking sharp. They acting like you don't know the rules up in the workplace. Must I remind you it was till on your birthday. Don't get me wrong, I think we killed in the birthdays. And you picked the hell of fit for the church day. Let's say you picked the wrist game. Oh, it's killing. Now you got the floor filled with bras that you purchase. Pick a color scheme that can match a very corset. Cause no one man should have all that styling Take it off, clothes on the floor piling No one girl should fit it all in them jeans So take it off and let me see what's under them scenes Cause no one man should have all that styling Take it off, clothes on the floor piling No one girl should fit it all in them jeans So take it off and let me see what's under them scenes Let's see what it seems If it is what it seems Chicks be looking thick leggings, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. 
take a hint, no, don't try to get me at a moment. Moment, though, smoking hot, rocking this pen, so thin. Tie hairline, looking like a stencil. Pimp, no lie, I'm sharper than the utensil. And stroke, mental, plain dang, homie, I was hoping we could walk out with that bang, bang, honey. See them plain James, honey, them lame friends, honey. We tell it, fit it crazy like that thing came on me, hey, mommy. Look a lady, main thing, want me on the scene. Fit popping like a main vein, running blood color, lips smashing with the hand. Clutch money, holding back, kind of funny. Can you tell me what's the project of the range? Rover, hang on me. When we walking, looking Gucci like that thing sprayed on me. Walking with a limp like an ankle sprang on me. Yeah, I rocked the cardigan. She don't really want me because one man should have all that style. Take it out, clothes on the floor, pass it. No one girl should fit it all in them jeans. So take it up and let me see what's under them scenes. No one man should have all that style. Take it out, clothes on the floor, pass it. Oh, you want to say, oh, I completely read that wrong.